Adults, you may turn to Ephesians chapter 1. Excuse me. (coughs) You may notice in your bulletin today that the sermon title is the same as the last three weeks. God is speaking to you. I was thinking this week, why should we want to listen for God? That's an important question. Uh, The last few weeks we've been talking about how to listen for God and that we should be listening for God. And we want to reiterate a little bit of why today we should be listening for God. It's an important question and a question for which each one of us might have a varying answer. Some of us don't want to listen for God, truth be told, because if we listen for God, we would maybe have to change something in ourselves that we don't want to change. But for those of us who do want to listen for God, there's varying reasons. Some want to know what to do. Some want to know what not to do. Some want to hear God so they can better understand the hard questions of life. I don't know about you, but I've been there. Some want God to speak to them because they want to have spiritual authority. And some want God to tell them things so they can look spiritual. I think some of those desires are valid. Some of them can be abused. And the final one is incongruent with Scripture. Yes, it's good to listen to God to know what to do, what not to do. Yes, it's important to listen to God so that we can better understand the hard things in life. For those of you who are in spiritual authority, there is an expectation that you would listen to God to remain in that spiritual authority. So that's fine. And for those of you who want to listen to God uh, just so you can be viewed as a spiritual person, it's time to talk. Not a valid reason. I do believe there is a reason, though, for all uh, overarching, I will say, an overarching reason that stands over the good reasons that we want to listen for God. We should want to hear God. We should want to listen to His voice because we are who our friends are. We become who our friends are. We should desire to listen to God because being in relationship with God is the paramount state, the best state, the most preferred state of human existence. But you cannot have a true relationship unless you listen. I've met some young adults over the years who have lamented to me that they have trouble making and keeping friends. Maybe you're an older adult who feels that way. Now, I can't speak for everybody, but there's a number of folks who have said, I have trouble making and keeping friends. And what I've noticed about those particular people, and if they counsel with me, I'll sort of tell them this, Uh, in in couch terms to try to not uh, hurt them, but to say, you know what, one of the things that you might want to think about is being a better listener. You talk about yourself a lot. You don't necessarily get into the lives of anybody. And some people don't grow ever because they don't gain perspective from being in a relationship with somebody because they just don't listen. They just talk at people. I was recently in Dave Anderson's building, and there's an elevator where there's a quote on the back wall, and it says something to this effect, and I thought it was very interesting, and I'll be misquoting it slightly because I only saw it once, but it says, a person who exclusively talks in the first person is a bore. 
A person who consistently talks in the third person is a gossip. But a person who consistently talks in the second person is a great conversationalist. Not enough of our communication with God is in the second person. What are you saying, God? We are so busy talking at God when we should be in true relationship, which means also listening for God. I would hesitate to do this because I think I would be appalled at the response. But if we were to hand out a piece of paper this morning and give you a pen and say, I want you to tell me in your prayer this week, how much of percentage of time did you spend talking at God and how much of your percentage of prayer time did you spend listening for God? I think, we, I think we all would probably, well, I shouldn't say we all, I think most of us would be appalled at our own results. Whether you spent five minutes in prayer or 50 minutes a day, there should be not only speaking and talking at God, but listening for him. Because being in true relationship with God, a back and forth communication is the paramount state, the best state, the most preferred state of human existence. And isn't it neat? Isn't it exciting? Isn't it awesome that we are able to have a back and forth communicative relationship with our God? We are blessed. We're going to be reading in Ephesians this morning Paul's prayer for the Ephesians. He's going to say, this is what I pray for you. And it has to do with this very subject. He is praying for them that they might know God. Let's read, starting in verse 17 of Ephesians chapter 1. Paul writes to the Ephesians, I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him so that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may know what it is, what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe, according to the working of his great power? I find it interesting what Paul prays for the Ephesian people here. You might expect that being a loving pastor, someone who really appreciates these Ephesian people, that he might pray for their physical health and strength continually. I mean, we pray that for you folks, and you pray that for us. You might assume that he would pray for financial peace. Let's use a Dave Ramsey term, financial peace for those people, that, that God would bless all of their financial endeavors, that he would give them security. You might assume that a good pastor here might just pray for the general happiness of these people. But he says, according to the preceding verses, 15 and 16, you can look back there if you desire, that he does not cease to pray for them, that he prays for them continually for what? That they might know God. That they might know God. Now, if you look at that with completely human eyes, you go, you could be praying for me for some other stuff too, man. I would love for you to be praying for my personal happiness, for financial security, for my health, for my strength. He says, what I pray for, for you all, is that you might know God. Because Paul understood 
And the New Testament writers over and over again make it clear that the paramount state, the best state, the most preferred state of human existence is to know the God that created us. He prays two things over them. He prays that God might give them a spirit of two things. Did you catch it? A spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation. Now, when I read that, I think that is knowing God in two different ways, both qualitatively knowing God and quantitatively knowing God. Wisdom, as you come to know him, speaks to the interpersonal relationship here by which you know another person's thought processes, by which you know another person's reactions, by which you know another person's proclivities, inclinations, so that you might be able to amend your life, your lifestyle, to better respond to that person. I mean, that is relational wisdom, isn't it? To know who you're dealing with and deal with them wisely. That's qualitative knowing of someone. I was talking about this with Gina yesterday as as I was talking about what I was preaching about, and I I said, you know, it's interesting, the insight, the wisdom that Solomon had when those two women came before him, each claiming that that was their baby, right? Solomon had to get into the minds of those women, did he not? To have some wisdom as to how to deal with these. He knew one was full of malice and envy, and he knew one was full of desperation to save her child. And so we know the story. He said, let's cut the baby in half. You each can have a half. The woman full of envy, malice, said, go ahead, sounds good to me. And the true mother did what? Don't you dare give him to her. Right? Wisdom is knowing the person that you are in relationship with, knowing them better and better so that you can change the person that you are to suit them. And what's interesting in our relationship with God is we should constantly be looking to change the person that we are or allow him to change the person that we are to better suit God. That we might know more about God's thoughts. That we might know more about God's reactions to certain things. That we might know about God's inclinations so that we can better respond and have relationship with him. How can we do that unless we listen to him? How can we do that unless we listen for his voice? Our job is not to sit around and wait for other people to tell us who God is. Our job is to seek out that God for ourselves because he is still speaking. And not only that, but to know him, to truly know him, is the best way to live. How many of you, speaking of this wisdom, who are married, have ever thought, I have finally got my spouse figured out? idiot, right? I've got her figured out. I've got him figured out. You don't. You never do. Just when you think you've got complete wisdom on how to deal with that closest of human relationships, something else happens and you go, boy, am I a dunce. I wish I had more wisdom. I did not know that she or he was going to respond that way. I had no idea that's what he or she was thinking. I had no idea that he or she preferred that. Have I not been listening? Wisdom is proved right by her actions. That that means that we are listening to the person that we're in relationship with so that we can amend who we are to better be in relationship with them. So that's the qualitative aspect of knowing God more. And then there's the quantitative aspect. Paul says, I pray not only for a spirit of wisdom, but a spirit of revelation, a spirit of revealing. 
pull back the curtain so that you would know more information than you knew before. So that you would have more knowledge than you did before of the facts. That's what he wants for the Ephesian people in their relationship to God. That they would know him better in a spirit of wisdom, how to relate to him, and that they would know him better in terms of the facts about who God is and what God is. More and more relationship with God. Why does Paul desire that God's Spirit speak to his people about these things? Well, he gives us, and it's it's very easy for us to sort of parse out the rest of our time together, he gives us three reasons that he's praying for this Spirit of wisdom and the spirit of knowledge to come upon the Ephesian people so that they would know God better. And if you're wondering where I'm getting that, those, that wording, that's the wording of verse 17, right? That he would, they would have a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation as they come to know him. So he says, with the eyes of your heart enlightened, with your spirit person open to God, with your conversation with God going on, three things I pray over you. And what are they? That you would know in verse 18 the hope that you have been called to, the riches of your glorious inheritance as his saints, and verse 19, the immeasurable greatness of his power. Three things, the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance, and finally the immeasurable goodness, or greatness I should say, of his power. Now those are pretty flowery terms, weren't they? Did anybody, like, read those and go, yep, got all of those on lockdown? The hope to which he has called me, the inheritance of the saints, and the greatness of his power. I, you know what, if you just gave me a a blue book, you know, those blue books you had back in college, I could just write the essay right now. Right. I mean, those are flowery terms. And there is a, there is a desire among many commentators when they read the scripture that any time when they read flowery terms like that, they, it's obviously got to be talking just about heaven. Okay? It's obviously, if we're talking about the hope to which he has called us, our glorious inheritance, and the working out of his great power, we've got to be talking about heaven. And that's what I thought as I read this. I thought, I, and this is just me, I thought, this is talking about what God is wanting to do in our lives right now. Otherwise, why would Paul be asking that we have a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation about these things? But as I went to some of my favorite commentators, I won't mention their names, but as I went to some of my favorite commentators, they were all just talking about heaven. And I couldn't square that in my mind, and I couldn't square that for three reasons. So I'm going to ask you to go on faith with me this morning that we're talking about earth, okay? And I'm going to do this, I'm going to give you some examples of why I believe this. And if afterwards you say, Pastor Matt, you're completely off, you have a complete right because it's the priesthood of all believers and we all have the Bible in our own language, right? But... Look at verse 21 for just a minute, if you skip down. The very last phrase of verse 21, when speaking of all these things that Paul wants us to know, all these things he wants us to understand, what does Paul say in the last phrase of verse 21? Not only in this age, but also in the age to come. What's Paul assuming? That as we read this, we're thinking about now. Okay? Do I have you convinced yet? I hope, but I got two more proofs. Verse 22, the last clause of verse 22, he has made him the head over all things for the church. The church has an earthly mission, right? 
So we're talking about now. And then finally, if you skip down to chapter 2, verse 10, one of the primary verses in all of the New Testament, one of the most important, for we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. And that's the capper to the entire first part of the book. We are talking about now, all right, and also the age to come. Paul says, think about it now, but think about it eternally as well, okay? So I want us to think, when we think about these flowery terms, the hope to which he has called us, the glorious inheritance among the saints, and the, uh, the greatness of his power, I want us to think about knowing God better so we can know about those things in this life, that that might change us. Not just be, I can't wait for heaven so I can know the hope to which he's called me, the inheritance of his saints and his great power. Can't wait for heaven. I want us to talk about it now, because I believe that's what Paul would have us do. First, let's talk about the hope to which he has called us. And I had trouble when I read this term, if we're thinking about this in the present day and age. How many of you are completely insulated from health crises? Anybody? Financial crises? Anybody insulated from those? Completely? Anybody, is everybody's relationships in the room perfect? No. Okay. So in essence, it's raining on both the righteous and the unrighteous, right? Even though we know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, we can still suffer the exact same things that people who don't know Jesus Christ can suffer, right? Right. So what's the hope to which he has called us? What are we clinging to? What's our calling? in this present age. And as I, as I really thought about this, and I really prayed about this, it, it became very simple. What did Jesus call us to? Did he say, come into my kingdom so that everything might be right? No, he just said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near, is at hand. The hope in this life is not to be taken away from all the negative things of life, because we know Jesus. The hope of this life is new birth into the kingdom of God that we can live the kingdom of God right now. Our lives can be meaningful when we take our little personal kingdom and place them within God's eternal kingdom. That's the hope that he has called us to. Not that we would be insulated from all the hard things of life, but that our little kingdom would be placed within God's eternal kingdom, inside his big one. That God would speak to us what we are to do to extend that kingdom. That our lives would not be wasted just pursuing our little kingdom, but that our lives would be full and meaningful and free because we know that the work that we do is eternal. We know that our lives are eternal. We know that as we work for the kingdom of God, that we are doing work that blesses our creator and also speaks to the very reasons which we were created. We are not aimless. Linda said it this morning, we were once lost, but we have been found. That is the hope that we have been called to, that our lives are not aimless, meaningless pursuits of a little bit of financial security, a little bit of relational happiness, and a couple of vacations but that our lives can be part of God's great big life, that our vocations can be part of God's overall plan, that the things that we do in this life can last for eternity. That is what we have been called to. That is our hope. So what 
is this that we need wisdom and revelation for, just so we can say, thank you, God, I'm part of your kingdom. No, we need wisdom and revelation to the hope which he has called us so that we would know what to do to expand and extend that kingdom. That we would know what God has called each one of us to. That we would know the good works which he prepared beforehand for us to do. That's the hope. That our lives are not these meaningful balls of, of 70, 80 years, 50 years, whatever. But our lives are full of meaning and purpose as we place our life within the kingdom of God. We need to be listening to the director of our lives. That we can fully engage in the hope to which he has called us. That we can fully engage. I, I, I hesitate to tell this story, but I'm just going to go ahead. And Lord, help me if I wasn't supposed to. Kathy Smith, who we prayed for earlier today, has been inviting somebody to Bible study. Uh, the Bible study that she attends Wednesday mornings. And she's been inviting this person and inviting this person. And she wants her to go so badly. And, and she was talking to her sister Spring last night, our, our children's minister. And she said, you know what? Spring said, I will be happy, Kathy, to drive you to your Bible study. Uh, as long as, as your recovery process and your healing process takes. And Kathy says, no, that's all right. She said, there's been a woman I've been inviting to Bible study for three years. I'm going to tell her that I need a ride from her, and since she already has a ride, she might as well stay. <laughs> Where is Kathy Smith's life placed? In her little kingdom? Because if it was just in little, her little kingdom, she'd be down today. But guess what? She's in God's kingdom. She still has work to do for the Lord. That's her hope. Do you get it? That's what we're talking about here. But we have to listen for the director. We have to listen for God to know what he's called us to do, or that hope begins to wane. If we don't listen to the director, we're not working as part of the team. A few years ago, well, more than a few years ago, now I'm becoming old, older than I want to be, I'll put it that way. I'm crossing a threshold here this year into a new decade. Anyhow, I was in high school, and I was in this play, and it was a play, it was a musical in which I had to sing a very vocally taxing part. I had as an 18-year-old to pretend like I was 50, and then uh, the guy in the play that I was playing, he liked to yell, and so I had to sort of sing yell uh, throughout the play a number of different times, and so I was trying to sound 48, you know, and I was yelling at my children uh, while singing. And I was in the middle of one of my songs, and the director was sitting in the pit orchestra, and she just goes, stop, 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 stop. And I was like, what are you stopping for? Come on. And she looked at me, and she said, if you continue to yell like that while you're singing, you will have no voice by Saturday night. And I was mad. I thought, you, you could have told me that in notes later. There are 70 people on this stage, and I could kick you right now for giving me that direction in front of all these people. And you don't know my voice, I know my voice, okay, director? You, know my, I, you don't know my voice, I know my voice. I will have a voice on Saturday night. I can pull this off. I was so mad, you know what? I just went back to yell singing. I just thought, don't you, don't you dare. You don't know. You're just looking for something to nitpick. Most of you know that, and we're not supposed to say this, we shouldn't put this on the internet, but most of you know that uh, Lowell Brockway does videography, and, and Lowell videotaped that Saturday night. Not, not for profit, we have to say. Not for profit. So I have for posterity when my voice went. <laughs> it was the end of my big number. And I had to sing with all my heart. I was standing on stage alone, trying to wow an audience of five or 600 people. And I sang that note as flat as a pancake. I didn't listen to the director. 
And I paid the price, and I struggled the rest of that night. And I'll never forget that. I learned something that night. No matter the instruction, listen to the director. All right? If we're to know the hope to which God has called us, no matter the instruction, we have to listen to the director. We have to listen to the king. He has stuff for us to do, and it's wisdom. And it's not always exactly what we want to hear, and it's not always easy. But it is right, and there's wisdom to it. Paul wants us to have a spirit of wisdom, qualitatively know the direction, and a spirit of revelation to learn more from him. But we have to be willing to be someone who listens to the voice of the Lord. The second thing that Paul says is the riches of our inheritance. I love when the psalmist says, Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits. To know the riches of all the great things that God has done for us. Now, this one was a little easier to parse out in terms of finding out what the riches of our inheritance was because Paul mentions it earlier in the book and he tells us what it is. Can you turn back maybe one page in your Bible to the beginning of chapter 1 of Ephesians? We're going to look in verse 11 and 12 because Paul tells us what the riches of our inheritance is. It says this in verse 11 of Ephesians chapter 1. In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things according to his counsel and will, so that we who were the first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of his glory. What is our inheritance? Well, it's wrapped up in the hope to which he has called us. Our inheritance is that our lives are to be lived for the praise of his glory. Our lives are to be lived for him and for his kingdom and for his praise. That is why I have been saying to you from the open this morning that the greatest state, the paramount state of human existence is to live knowing God. Because each one of us were designed for the glory of God. Each one of us were designed and created to eventually place our life and our trust and our hope in him. And that is the ultimate, the paramount state of human existence is to live for his glory. That's our inheritance. To not live for our own glory, our own prestige, our own sense of security, but to live for his prestige, to live for his glory, to live for everything that is God. There is freedom in that. There's freedom of when you let go of your little kingdom and place your life firmly within God's and say, God, I will go do that which you speak to me. I will go and do that which your voice prompts me to do. The Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come and your will be done comes before we even pray for give us this day our daily bread and lead us not into temptation. Where should our focus be? not just on our security of our daily bread and not dwelling on our sins or the sins that we might commit, right? Instead, our focus should be, Lord, your will be done. Lord, your kingdom come. In that, we have an inheritance and a freedom. My life and your life can be firmly nestled within the kingdom of God. And in that, there is life, there is hope, there is our inheritance. When I think inheritance in my earthly mind, I think of money, I think of houses, I think of cars, I think of what's coming to me because someone has passed it down to me. That's probably what you think too. If you were to not read inheritance in the scriptures, you'd be thinking money, houses, cars, land, real estate, uh, whatever. Not here. The inheritance for the spiritual person is to know God, to place our lives firmly within his kingdom, and to live for his glory. There is freedom in that. Finally, Paul says, and for power for us who believe. 
that the third thing that he wants us to know as we listen to God and know him better is power. Now, that's a tough one because we live in a world where the misuse of power makes it hard for Christians to swallow the idea of power. There's a lot of misuse of power. We have heard the term absolute power corrupts absolutely. And so we sometimes ignore this aspect of knowing God, that as we know God better, we can gain power, spiritual power, spiritual authority. But this is immeasurably important and is something that we're just going to have to risk the use of. We're just going to have to risk being spiritual people with spiritual authority because it's what God designed us to be. Greater things than these, Jesus said. I was watching something this week on Right Now Media. It was by Dallas Willard. Dallas has passed away, but Dallas had wrote and then he spoke a very simple term or a very simple idea that the entire story of Scripture was God building character in people that he could trust with his power. The entire story of Scripture is God building character in people that he can trust with his power. And regardless of if you view yourself as a spiritual person, or I'm not very spiritual, I don't get into this, or I don't get into that, God designs and and desires that you be someone who carries power. Some sense of spiritual direction and authority that spills over into your relationships. That people would know that you speak and act for your king. We are... uh, giving away something when we don't know our God and refuse to ask for his power. We're giving something away that we shouldn't be giving away. Everything that we should be doing should be in the strength and power of the Lord. Every aspect of our life should be done in his strength and not ours. And we have work to do for his kingdom, and it's not going to get done in our own strength. It's going to be done in his we would be remiss to try to save the lost of this world without really knowing God. After all, it's his heart, it's his plan, it's his future that we desire to bring about. We can't do it unless we know him. We can't do it unless we're listening for his voice. We can't do it apart from his power. We need to become like our friend. We need to become like our father. And the only way that we can do that is to listen to his voice and speak back to him and be in conversation with him. The paramount state of human existence is knowing God. The greatest state of human existence is knowing God. The best state of human existence is knowing God. Because God desires that we become more and more like him. And as we do, we accomplish more and more for him what you were designed to do and it's what I was designed to do but you cannot know him if you're just talking at him you can know him if you're listening as well too many of us our hearts are in the right place but we're just busy talking at God and I want to encourage you that you should be listening daily listening daily so that you could become more and more like your God. It's what he desires of us. And that is why we should be listening for him. Let's pray.
Lord Jesus, I pray today for Victory Life that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and of revelation, that our hearts and our lives would be enlightened by you so that we would know the hope to which he has called us, the riches of our inheritance, and that we might know the immeasurable greatness of your power working through us. Lord, I pray that we would listen for your voice, that we may be changed into your likeness, and that we might do all that you've called us to do for your kingdom. We pray these things today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.